Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. How are you feeling about the Chris Jones holdout? Chiefs training camp is more than three weeks old and still no Jones. I kind of doubt we'll see him in St. Joseph, but when will we see him in a Chiefs uniform? Chiefs General Manager Brett Veach is optimistic. He said as much to star columnist Sam McDowell and Vahe Gregorian and reporters Jesse Newell and, and me. I'm Blair Kirkhoff. This is Sports Beat KC, the Star Sports Podcast, and it's Tuesday, August 8th. You'll hear what Veach had to say about Jones on today's show. After a break, we switch teams and talk Royals with beat writer Jalen Thompson. The Royals' recent seven-game winning streak, the play of shortstop Bobby Wood Jr., and the team's decisions at the trade deadline are our topics. Let's get started with a conversation with Sam McDowell and Jesse Newell, which leads into comments by Brett Veach. We know Chris Jones, the holdout continues, and now we know he wants a big contract because we heard Brett Veach tell us that today. What else did we learn from the Stars' conversation with Brett Veach Sam McDowell and Jesse Newell are going to tell us. What was Jesse? What was your big takeaway from the conversation with Brett Veach today? Yeah, I'll probably steal from Sam Sunder here, but uh, I think one of the most interesting things came from one of his questions, which was talking about last year they traded Tyree Kill in the offseason and if that, what they learned from that, or if they took something from that. And Brett Veach directly connected trading Tyree Kill and gaining salary cap room and younger players to the idea that they wanted to sign Chris Jones long-term this offseason. He directly said one thing was done with the intention of the next thing getting done. So um, to put a big bow on it, obviously the, the Chiefs still remain in contact with Chris Jones' agents. They still want to get a long-term deal done. Uh, Red Beach spoke of that, about that many times. I think the other thing, you know, I, I wanted to ask him about a potential trade at this point in the year. And I know, Sam, we've talked about this before where – this makes it really tricky because any draft picks you would get with the trade would be for next year, not this year. And the Chiefs are, Chiefs are trying to go back to back. But he almost cut me off and said no, um, that that was not on the table, not on the, not in the cards, not uh, something that they would consider at this point. Again, things can always change. But I would say those were the two main things. But directly relating Tyreek Hill to the Chris Jones situation was very interesting. I think it lets you know, at least from what he told us, what the Chiefs think about Chris Jones. Yeah, look, yeah. that's for me too. I, I mean, keep having Chris, the Chris Jones contract in mind back in Mar- you know, March of 2022 uh, was uh, pretty interesting. I thought. Yeah, I thought so too. Um, but also, if we trace back to our own experiences in 2022, like the Brett Beach we met with today is one who's tied up by another player's decision, and I thought seemed generally in the dark about where Chris Jones when he's going to be here in St. Joe, I think we all think it'd be a surprise if he was ever here for a practice in St. Joe. And so now you're eyeing like that August 16th, 17th range when they get back to Kansas city. But I mean, I didn't think Brett Veach had a, a great beat on when Chris Jones is going to be part of the chiefs roster this year. And you trace back to last year and you talk about that Tyree kill 
and it's all excitement about these new guys that they have. And now I think it's probably, I mean, listen, we heard Andy Reid today at the podium as well. I mean, it's unnerving for these guys not to be in control of this situation right now. You asked an interesting question just a few minutes ago uh, before we started recording, Sam. Um, Would you trade Chris Jones for Tyreek Hill? Um, Who's got the greater value? And I think we both came on the up on the same side of this. Yeah, I'd rather have. Yeah, Chris Jones. Yep. Um, well, let me ask you guys this real quick, I and mean, you can get to it, Sam. But specifically for the Chiefs, you would take Chris Jones. I think on another team, you could make an argument for Tiger Kill, couldn't you? Yeah, I think you could. I, I, to me, I think Chris Jones is the more valuable player because the way he changes players around him. Um, I mean, Chris Jones was the most double teamed player in the NFL last year, and still had the best win pass rush win weight, win rate of any team in the NFL, any player in the NFL last year. So. Doubled most often, still wins the most often. And that's the only player I think you – and I know there's a lot of infatuation with Nick Bolton, very good player. Chris Jones is the game record that you have on that side of the ball. You have other options on offense, including the head coach himself. And I don't, I just don't think you have that equivalent on defense, which is why – look, I've always thought that if you're going to stretch your budget for one guy that's not Patrick Mahomes, it's going to be a guy like Chris Jones that can just change a game with, with one play. And look, I'm not saying Tyreek Hill couldn't do that, but it's just different. It's a different beast when you can do it on your own. You don't need the ball thrown to you. I think it's context dependent, though. Again, for the Chiefs, Chris Jones makes a lot of sense because the defense side of the ball doesn't have Andy Reid. It doesn't have Travis Kelsey. It doesn't have Patrick Mahomes just doing what he did last year, which was taking more on top of himself to make this array of other weapons better than probably what they should be so for the Chiefs it makes the most sense again for Miami I think you could argue pretty easily that they were pretty happy with the trade and they get him you know Tiger Hill with Waddle and they make their quarterback really good and we see receivers historically go for all these high salaries that they get paid now and they're top of the market and guys like Chris Jones don't typically get paid we see Aaron Donald at 31 million everybody else is around 24 so um, you can make arguments both ways but specifically for the Chiefs I just think you know if you have to give a little more to Andy Reid to do or Patrick Mahomes to do or Travis Kelsey to do that's okay but on the defensive side of the ball you made the point Sam um, it makes it very much more difficult that they don't have that anchor on that side and that's why Chris Jones helps them so much He's what makes us tick, I believe, is for words to that effect. Would, yeah, that's what Brad said. Yeah. Another fascinating quote that he talked about today. and uh, I mean, very effusive in his praise for Chris Jones, continuing to be that way even as he holds out from camp. Yeah, I mean, they've got talent on defense, but they do spend more money in the NFL in their offense than like four teams, and all but four teams in the NFL. Like Chris Jones is their moneymaker on defense. As much as, again, you talk about Nick Bolton, Legereus Sneed, very good players. Like, Chris Jones is what makes the whole defensive line work. And now, I mean, we're asking Andy Reid again today about Charles Amenahu's suspension. And you really wonder what this defensive line would look like without him, which players a question that you asked Brett Veach today. So um, did, did the conversation with Brett Veach change the way you think about the resolution of the Chris Jones contract negotiation? Not me personally. Um, I've, I've, ever since that draft pass and free agency pass, I have viewed this as the Chiefs being in a really bad spot. Because if you're going to act on something significant with Chris Jones, like a trade, it was going to have to come before the draft and you still had a chance to rebuild your roster. That, that has come and passed. And I think we met with the general manager who recognizes that this is not an ideal spot for him to be in, that the player 
has more leverage than the Chiefs would like any player, not just Chris Jones, but any player to, to get to eventually, especially once training camp is already here. What do you think? Yeah, I more mean, or less. I, yeah, I'm, I'm with Sam. Um, I, a lot of the discussion was sort of expected, and, and it, it does seem – I know Sam has had this discussion when we've talked before, and we've talked so much about the Chiefs being so good at always being flexible. And Brad Veach has talked before about always looking at options. And a lot of GMs wouldn't have thought about t- trading Tyreek Hill when they did. And, or, I mean, look back to Orlando Brown. They didn't offer him the, the franchise tag. We all thought they were going to. But they remained flexible, and they got Juwan Taylor, and they got the guys they wanted in here. And this just seems like a different situation. They're so good at not painting themselves in a corner. And as Sam has talked about before here, um, you know, this is a situation where uh, Chris Jones holds the cards a little bit, and that's not a situation the Chiefs have been in very often comes down to like this like what is chris jones best move at this time to come to training camp every day in st joe and sweat it out or i mean he's been in the system for four years i think the benefit on that hits a ceiling at some point while andy reed said today the game goes fast <laughs> but i think you know the only leverage he has is not showing up here every day and creating this sort of uneasiness that, like I said, I think you could sense from the GM today, and you heard Andy Reid say in front of cameras today, like, he's frustrated with this situation. Let, let's I don't know when he's going to be here. He first said. to say Andy hates these questions. He hates yes. having to deal with this. He hates the distraction. He hates the situation. He hates the situation. I mean, this really, and this is the most uncomfortable he is when we're talking about football things in front of the microphone, is getting asked these questions and not knowing what to say because it's very obvious he wants to be here. Yeah, because there's no good answer. There's no good answer that the Chiefs. It's a tough situation. Right yeah, he he doesn't have a lot of experience with these questions either because the Chiefs haven't had many of mm-hmm. these situations. I can remember though when the year one of the years Eric Berry uh, held out and Andy was asked often about it and just hated it, um, hated it. So okay, so we talk a lot about what we how we interpreted what Brett Beach said. Let's actually listen to what Brett Beach said. We're going to play. Uh, oh, about um, eight, eight to ten minutes of the conversation that the star reporters had with Brett Beach. Here we go. I mean, I wish I had a good update to give you. Um, you know, we, um, you know, we, we've had communications, and those communications are still ongoing. And um, you know, on one end, I think everybody would like them back, but on the other end, I mean, you know, we don't kick off until September seventh, so we'll. Um, continue with those conversations and you know, their ultimate goal is to have Chris here and to get him locked away a long-term deal and I think from an organizational standpoint you know that's um, nothing has changed in that regard and so it's one of those situations where every team and every sport deals with and yeah. you know the more you win the more you deal with these things so again we'll just continue to press on and, and keep keep those communication um, lines open and, and hopefully get him back here soon. Just as is Asking price changed like since March till now. I mean, he's a great player, and you know he wants a big contract, and so now, you know he deserves, you know, a big contract, and I don't think there's any surprise in that regard, you know. But um, there's just some hurdles we have to work through in regards to how we can keep this thing going for the short and long term, and um, but I don't think we've never wavered on, you know, this is a guy that you know we want to exhaust all of our efforts to get done because that's how much we think of him. So we'll continue to do that because that's the ultimate goal here and sometimes these things take some time and so we'll just continue to press away and and work through that and hopefully make some 
some movement here, but again, we'll, um, we go into this, we went into this, and um, as we're having these ongoing dialogues, um, you know, our intent and desire has always been to get Chris Jones um, secure for the foreseeable future, and we're going to press on with that mindset. How would a Chiefs team this season look without and, and be without Chris Jones? Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be as good as uh, one with, and I think um, we certainly acknowledge that. I mean, he's um, he's every, he's the guy that makes everything tick, and so you know, I think that's um, apparent to us, and you know, that's why um, going into the off season and even to where we are now, that's why our mindset is to continue to work hard to get something done with him, because that's how you know we we feel about him. Neat. Andy talked a little bit about the communication at the very start of training camp, and it lessened. I mean, just how would you classify the communication? You said there's been some, but how would you? Yeah, I would. I mean, obviously, it's not as productive as you'd like, or there'd be a deal done. Um, but at the same time, I mean, you know, they, like I said, they're they're not. You know, they start off, and you know, in the springtime, it's more of a holding pattern because you're waiting for stuff. So it's a little bit more hypothetical in nature, and then when you get close to camp you're having them and you know you're having them every day and you know the dialogue is extensive and then you reach this point where I think both parties want to just kind of take a deep breath and reset a little bit um, um, and then they become less frequent but at the same time I mean start of the season September 7th so by nature they're going to have to heat up up again and, and like I said that's why we're still optimistic, and although uh, again a large chunk of the time here has passed, there's you know, we still have time. And you know, Chris has been in this system for a long time, and he does a great job of staying in shape. And so, you know, we have no doubt that if and when we're able to get something done, he'll hit the ground running and be in good shape. How much did you learn, like, and maybe you didn't need the lesson, but just from the way last year worked out and the off season of last year was really prioritizing the long term and. Mm-hmm. But I think outside people viewed it the expense at the short term. It didn't turn out to be that way, but it was definitely prioritizing one over the other, right? Yeah. Did that sort of set the framework for how you want to do future off seasons too, and think of situations like this? Well, I think it just you know reinforced the mindset that you know you keep all your options open, and 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 like I said, um, where we were going, you have to keep in mind that when we did make that move with Tyreek. Um, one of the determining factors was because there was a um, expected Chris Jones deal, and and so you know to do Tyreek, um, there was a concern of would we be able to do Chris, and so that was a moment of time, and it was before the draft that you know we hit the reset button and we're like you know it's really hard to give up or to trade a, a player the match of Tyreek Hill, um, but we're following that up with someone um, just as significant and on the defensive side. And so now's an opportunity to utilize these draft resources and, and, and get younger on both sides, knowing that we're going to have some tall tasks next year, one being Chris Jones. So, um, you know, it wasn't like, oh, every time you have a great play like Tariq, you want to trade him and, and recoup, you know, draft assets. I think that is important, and I think, um, you know, there are times when you need to do it. But, again, a lot of that reasoning was because, you know, we expected to get something done with Chris, and that's why we're – you know, steadfast in our resolve to get something done. Yeah. We'll, we'll probably move on after this, but uh, the timeline was different with March, obviously, with Tyreek, and you talked about keeping all options open. Um, is a trade still 
I mean, is it something that's on the table? Is it no, I would. Fine, fine, no. Fine. Okay. I I would say that a trade is not on the table. Okay. Um, you know, we're, you know, we'd like to get something done, and you know, obviously, he's under contract this year. But mm -hmm. I think for all parties, I think the best resolution, you know, would be for him to, you know, um, end his career as a chief and get that financial security, and for us to, you know, do what we had set out to do, and that's you know, to to work through last off season with this off season in mind, get some young guys, which we did that, and then focus on this year and and getting Chris done. So, um, you know, we we. Um, Hopefully we get this resolved, but, you know, we're, we have no intentions of, of making a trade. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Okay, let's catch up with Royals beat writer, Jalen Thompson. Jalen, it's great to have you back on the show. Uh, um, I got to tell you, the, the Royals, until just a little while ago, I don't believe had a winning week, a uh, winning record in a week this season, and then they have a week where they don't lose a game. So... For a guy who's covered the team just about all season, it must have been fun to watch the Royals put together this seven-game winning streak. Came to an end in Philadelphia with a couple losses uh, as the Royals prepared to play the Boston Red Sox. But they played their be best baseball of the season this past week. Had to be a, a, a just a better mood in the clubhouse because of it. Yeah, it definitely has. When you look at the clubhouse, a lot of the guys were upbeat. They were excited. And, you know, they've always been that way throughout the season. But it goes to another level when you start winning games. And I talked to several players, especially like Matt Beatty. He, had, he was there for like four of the games because he came back from the injury list. But he said that, yeah, the team was just playing the right way, doing the small things. And those start to add up. And then I believe that a lot of the younger players have seen that as long as we do what we're called to do, what the team needs from us in that certain moment or crucial situations, we can come out and we can get a victory. So I think that's been the theme that they've all learned throughout that seven-game winning streak. Yeah, they were doing so many things right, right? They were um, you know, hitting with runners in scoring position, um, pitchers throwing strikes, getting ahead. Um, so many good things throughout that uh, the, the Twins and the Mets series and then the first game against the Phillies. Great to see that happening. And even, listen, even in the two games they lost afterwards, they took the lead in, in both games uh, against Philadelphia. So some good signs for the Royals as they finish out the season. A um, couple of players we need spotlight, starting with Bobby Witt Jr. What a, what a tear he was on. Let's just go through the highlights with him. Um, you know, the, the, the biggest... You know, starting with the walk-off grand slam he had in the game against Minnesota, and then in in uh, was it the first game in Philly where he got the home run and the stolen base that pushed him to yep. 
to 20 and 30 for the year, the first player in Major League Baseball history to hit 20 home runs and steal 30 bases in his first two years. Amazing for Bobby Wood Jr. You've been you covering him all year, though, Jalen. Um, we know we know he's got this great combination of of speed and power, but I think we're seeing it on full display this past week. Yeah, we definitely have, and it's funny that you read off his accolades and his highlights and how he became the first player in MLB history, like you said, to have 20 home runs and 30-plus steals in his first two seasons. We asked him a couple of months ago, what were some of the adjustments that you made at the plate to really hit the fastballs and send them over the fence? And, you know, he says he just keeps putting in work day in and day out, and I know he might not want to give away all the secrets to his success, but... It's great to see him really just thrive and come through in this moment for this world team because, quite frankly, they needed a star to emerge. They needed someone that can stand side-by-side, shoulder-to-shoulder with a Salvador Perez, with a Zach Greinke. And Bobby Witt Jr. can take that mantle once those guys continue to play and their playing careers will ultimately be retiring soon. So looking at what he's doing from that potential, you look at his numbers, I believe he hit... Uh, had a 1.031 slugging percentage during the seven-game winning streak. So it's very impressive to see what, how they call him Bobby Baseball doing what he's doing on the field. Yeah, for sure. Look, he um, one, one thing I noticed about his at-bats during this uh, streak and his hot, his hot streak is um, his pitch selection much better than it had been. You don't see him striking out, uh, chasing balls out of the zone, just good approaches uh, with his plate appearances, that's great to see. I hope to see that continue. Hey, real quick, why wasn't was it just a day off for him on on Sunday? I was just wondering why he wasn't in the lineup for the final yeah, game I of believe that so. season. It was it was just a, a day off for him. You know, he he played throughout that whole entire streak, so yeah. I think it's gave him a time to rest his legs. I believe. Okay, a couple other players we we should single out. How about Freddie Fermin has really established yes. himself. He's playing so well right now, and maybe changes the way I think about the Salvador Perez's um you know uh, position uh, you know as as the Royals everyday catcher I Freddie Fermin is, mm-hmm. is he's hitting his way into some everydayness isn't he what uh, what would have been yeah. your observations about Fermin Yeah I'm glad you brought that up Blair uh Freddie Fermin I have been championing for him to get more playing time all season I just like the way he swings to that I like the way how he competes and if you look at yesterday's game, they had Salvi catch, and they put Fermin at designated hitter. So that's the part of the reason why they lost the the DH when Perez got when Salvi got hurt and left the game. So I believe that Freddie Fermin is really just hitting his stride. He's 28 years old. It's the ultimate baseball feel good story. He started out as a international free agent. In 2015, he was a rookie ball. He climbed his way through every level of the minor league system. He knows all the young pitchers. He's worked as a ball. And now he's getting this opportunity this season, and he's thriving. I mean, some of those home runs that he hit in this series against the, the Phillies, I believe that was Saturday, hit two of them, was really impressive. So, I mean, he just keeps putting back to ball, and he says he's sticking with his plan, and that plan seems to be working. Dude can rake, that's for sure. I, I'm really impressed with him, and 
Um, also happy to see Brady Singer finally. You know, it's just the, the on-again, off-again Brady Singer's uh-huh. had back-to-back good starts and looked really good against uh, against the Mets. So um, maybe some, uh, you know, some, some uh, you know, hope for upside with, with Brady Singer. Of course, everybody we're talking about, you know, Fermin and Witt and Singer and, and really everybody on the team, maybe except with the addition, for the exception of, of Salvador Perez, was rumored at the trade deadline, right, to be, you know, to be dealt. And uh, as it turned out, um, the, the maybe the – correct me if I'm wrong, but probably the most significant names that, uh, that, that left the Royals at this time are – of course, Nicky Lopez, and that happened before the yeah. de- long before the deadline. Scott Barlow um, and Ryan Yarborough were, were all mm-hmm. um, all dealt away, and um, Jose Quas too. Uh, and you're right, Jose Quas, the the reliever who you know was I, I liked. I, I thought it was a place for him in in, in the uh, in the bullpen. So uh, I, I think the Royals took some criticism for the Nicky Lopez trade. Um, I think they got good marks for the other ones. What's your general feeling about how the Royals did? Uh, they were active, uh, but how they how yes. they did uh, there at the, at the trade deadline? You know, I felt like they did just enough to get some prospects back and fill some needs in the farm system. But I feel like there's a lot of meat that was left on that bone, especially about the deals that they didn't do, with Salvador Perez possibly, maybe someone like uh, if they want to ship Zach Grinky away, or maybe someone from their core group as well. Um, General Manager Jason Piccolo said that they had some deals that they were looking at trying to get done, and it just fell through as the deadline progressed. So I believe that the Royals... They know what they want, and they in this seven game winning streak that they're on, that they, that they that they were on, they saw that hey, we got a chance that we can really turn this around with the guys that we have. We just got to keep adding pieces to that. So it might be tough for them to get rid of some of the big marketable guys, but if that leads you to get into back to playoff contention, back to relevancy, I think you do it. And as far as the players that they got back in this trade for Scott Barlow, Nicky Lopez, Jose Quas, and Ryan Yarbrough, I like Henry Williams. He was a number 10 prospect for the San Diego Padres, came in the Barlow deal. You know, he had Tommy John surgery, but he's working his way back. And he has a good command of his pitches, a strikeout thrower. And I like Nelson Velasquez. He can hit for home runs. I think he had 16 home runs in his MLB career. Short stint with the Chicago Cubs, but that's what they got back for Jose Quas. So I like both of those guys. Okay. One of the things that uh, – I don't know if it surprised me, but maybe just informed me during the, the the rumors and the speculation leading up to the trade deadline was I think Royals fans have come to accept the idea that Salvador Perez could have been traded. And, uh, and, and of course, there was that talk about to him and the Marlins, uh, maybe trying to work out a deal with the Marlins. Any idea how close uh, the Royals came to, to pulling off a deal that would have sent Salvi to, um, uh, to, to Miami? Well, I do know they had conversations with Salvi throughout the whole day of the trade deadline. And I think there was some reports that, I, that were out there that the Marlins were looking to get a deal done at the deadline with the Royals. But I think... Just when it came down to the end, the Royals realized that the return wasn't going to be enough for them to part with Salvi, so they they held on to him. And because you got to realize he's making twenty million this year, will make twenty million next year, twenty two point five in twenty twenty five, and he'll have a thirteen point five million dollar 
uh, contract with a two million buyout in twenty six. So that's a lot of money that some team will have to eat for Salvador Perez. And from my estimation, the Royals were not going to eat that money just to give him away to somebody else. So they really needed a good prospect or a package in return to move the, the, their their captain. So I think. It's just better for him, them to keep Salvi and help the young pitching staff this rest of this season and into next year as well. Very good. All right, Jalen Thompson covers the Royals for the Kansas City Star. Jalen, thanks for spending some time with us. Yeah, thank you, Blair. Um, glad to speak with you, and I hope you're enjoying the Chiefs out there. <laughs> we miss you on the on the weekly podcast. Yeah, I miss that too. Take care, my friend. All right, same to you. Thank you. That'll do it for today. Thanks to producer Randy Mason for putting together the show and to our Sportsbeat Casey staff of Monty Davis, Todd Feedback, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Tip of the cap to Vahe Gregorian, Sam McDowell, Jesse Newell, and Jalen Thompson for sharing their insights. Here's my weekly pitch for the Morning Sports Edition, the best digital sports page in the U.S. Today's edition was loaded with Chiefs, Royals, college sports, World Cup soccer, auto racing, and more. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC where we talk sports in and around Kansas City.